1: Jason Shadrick back with you again for uh, our final episode of Chasing Frets with Blake Mills. And I'm here once again with Joe Gore, all the way from San Francisco. How are you doing, Joe?
2: Uh, doing great, considering everything that's going on around yes. us right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm really stoked to be here with Jason. And um, this new project, uh, the podcast uh, via Premier Guitar, is some. Um, Proving to be really interesting and cool work, and I mm-hmm. hope you enjoy it as much as we do.
1: Oh yeah, I I know I am, and uh, and I've even had some friends reach out and tell me how much they're they're digging it. So this uh, we're gonna wrap up this week, uh, Blake Mills week, if you will, um, with another talk. And this one we focus a bit more on kind of the nuts and bolts of his finger style technique, and and where those kind of influences came from and even a bit about his uh kind of uh experience with bob rotsman um who was an important kind of mentor to him when he was when he was younger um
2: yeah it's an it's it's a, it's an interesting connection and you know bob play bob is a brilliant and influential player but he plays in a more in a more you know in more traditional uh you know blues and other american idioms and um blake definitely has those roots but he Takes it in some very surprising mm-hmm. and unexpected directions.
1: Yeah. So Blake's new record, which you can go and check out now, is called Mutable Set, which is a definitely a a, a bit of a departure for him. It's very kind of understated and interesting, and even introspective at times. Um, yeah, it's a very
2: it's a very beautiful record, but it's a um, very 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 intimate mm-hmm. intimate record, and very very subtle. It's not a, it's certainly not a knock you over the head guitar virtuoso record. But it's got, you know, lots of very beautiful playing and singing and songwriting. You know, we're focusing yeah. so much on, um, you know, as a guitar player, but he's, he's quite a writer and an interesting singer, too.
1: Yeah. So make sure to check that album out. And uh, we're going to wrap up this week with one last talk with Blake. So check it out, and we'll see you guys next week. So uh, if you've been if you've been tuning into the uh, the Blake Mills Extravaganza this week, we've hit on slide guitar, we've hit on production, we've hit on his new record Mutable Sets, which is out now. There'll be a link for that down in the description. But this week, Blake, I wanted to touch on a, a, a few things that really kind of drew me into your playing, and that's your command of fingerstyle guitar and your approach to altered tunings. So and. In our slide guitar episode you talked that uh, Bob Rosman was a was an important mentor and uh, and I'm sure a lot of fingerstyle stuff you picked up from him but when you were but even before that when you were first getting your hands on the guitar was just putting fingers on strings something that came naturally to you or did you kind of move from traditional pick style guitar into fingerstyle guitar
0: So I started Playing electric guitar before acoustic guitar, and it was because I was uh, a huge Nirvana and Soundgarden and Metallica and uh, you know all of that. Alice changed all the stuff that I was hearing on MTV, um, and this would have been '96.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that was what made me want to play guitar and. So that set me off with a pick, with a flat pick. And um, I think some friends of my dad's were a duo of uh, acoustic guitar players uh, called Levitt and McClure, Um, Danny Levitt and Mark McClure. They were friends of my dad's growing up in the 70s. He had a house on Topanga Beach. And there was a lot of finger-picking guitar music in that house. (laughs) Um, And uh, they would come around every once in a while and perform music in the living room for a party or something like, not like as the entertainment while people were like having, you know, hors d'oeuvres or whatever, but just, they would come over, we'd have a barbecue and at some point, you know, they would open the guitar cases and, go through a few old numbers and I remember sitting in between the two guitars, uh, in the living room, in our living room and the stereo image of, of, of their parts, which, which were really intricate, um, going back and forth was like, uh, was very, confusing and 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 it was mysterious and like magic you know it was like seeing 3d happening without glasses on (laughs) like how is how is this possible you know uh and on that same day i remember danny uh levitt you know taking an interest in what i was listening to and i showed him uh I think I showed him Pinkerton, the Weezer record and was prepared for him to not get it. And, uh, and he said, this is great. This is great. There's a lot of musicality going on there. And, and this progression, you know, one, five, uh, six, five, four. I mean, that's a, that's tried and true. I mean, a, and, and uh, I remember thinking immediately, like how does he know what the chords are without having a guitar? around you know like how does he understand this music as well um and just being really impressed by that that whole the depth of that uh, of of their musicality uh and that was when I I think I I realized that there was just a different sound that you could make by putting a Mm. pick down
1: and then was was there was there albums you were listening to at this time that uh influenced your finger picking idea or was it all kind of personal connections between other musicians
0: i don't know that there were records that really came through you know when you're learning guitar there's a lot of music that like you come across in a in an academic sense like it's not a record the records you spend time with listening to and like getting that you know, all the, the, the serotonin and everything you get when you're listening to a record by choice is different from, uh, mm-hmm. okay, here is the tablature for a Michael Hedges song, you know, and, and it's almost like reading a book in school. You know, I remember in high school, um, to which I I, I, I it was... I tried to get by doing as little as possible in high school. Like I just wanted to get out uh, and, and not be held back a grade and be able to graduate. But beyond that, I didn't want to do anything more than what was required of me. And I remember one year at the beginning of the school year, seeing that we were going to be reading Siddhartha as part of the syllabus. And I did not have uh, an I did not like this English teacher very much. We didn't get off on the right foot. But I remember going up to her and saying, I've never enjoyed a book that I've read uh, in high school, in school, period. Uh, but I, I have a lot of respect for this book based on what I know about it. And I'm planning on reading it and I don't want to read it in class. I don't want to read it like this. Um, so I'm, I'm coming to you hat in hand to tell you that I'm not going to read it, but that I will cheat on all the assignments and look up the answers on uh, Sparknotes or whatever um, and uh, and fake it. And no matter how I, how well I do or don't do on this homework and these assignments, will you give me a C? Will you just give me a passing grade for anything that's attached to this book so that I can have a chance to read it and enjoy it? outside of school and she said yeah <laughs> so so uh there 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 might have been some michael hedges and lawrence juber stuff that um i learned how to play and like uh like we, you know, like learning the magic learning how to do the magic trick of that stuff and that probably really helped build up the dexterity and and maybe breaking down certain certain habits of like when one finger moves you know that you you end up moving the other one uh just uh uh uh, 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 out of habit you know like when whatever that is you break you're breaking the 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 connection between those those fingers and the limbs and stuff um that came from playing like that like michael hedges and Lawrence juber and maybe um maybe like Maybe Arlo Guthrie, a little bit, um, but I don't know that I really gravitated towards any fingerpicking records uh, until Nick Drake, and mm-hmm. that was a little a little later. Nick Drake was the first time I heard acoustic guitar fingerpicking that accessed in me the thing that um my like you know my, my my all-time top music experience experiences access to that that kind of emotional uh being being completely under arrest by by the music that that was the f- my earliest memory and maybe still the most potent memory of listening to acoustic fingerpicked guitar and, uh, and just going, yeah, that's it. You know, we,
2: when we think about finger style guitar, a lot of time we're thinking about the things you can access with a, with an open picking hand that you can't with a pick Contrapuntal lines, broken chords and so forth. But uh, you've mentioned Michael Hedges a few times. And when I interviewed him many years ago, he, I might be misquoting him slightly, but he said something very close to, you know, 80% of what I'm doing is damping, muting, muting strings. And I've noticed, you know, watching your playing, <clears> that I don't know to what degree it's conscious, but there's exquisite detail about the exact lengths of notes, the the, the spaces between the notes. Um, uh, does that make sense at all in in, in your conception of uh, fingerstyle?
0: Sure, yeah, I mean you have the ability all of a sudden to control what notes you want to have ring and uh, and, and which ones you, you don't but I uh, it's that weird mysterious area between being conscious and unconscious of it um, there's a sound of there's a there's a sound of it being when you're conscious of it it has a certain sound it's kind of rigid and and uh the notes that are coming through don't sound right if you're you're aware of what you're trying to dampen like but once you find a position for your hand to where the movements that that all correspond to the rhythm and 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 the notes that you want to play like once, once you find a place to put your hand to where that all feels natural, I find that you, you are damping the right notes and it's, it's your right hand and your left hand, you know, like, like, I remember a guitar, there was an instructor who noticed that I was playing with the pads of my fretting hand, my fretting fingers instead of the tips. And, um, And they suggested, you know, I, I really think even though it's going to be a lot of work, I think you should break that habit and kind of unlearn that, that hand shape and try to play with more of the tips of your fingers, because you'll, you'll find that you can let certain strings ring out, um, that otherwise can't. And, um, and he was right. And, and, and it's it's not i still go back to that other style because that that has a certain sound you know like and and sometimes you bar two strings or you want two notes and so it's great to be able to play with that part of your finger but for the most part i think i think it, it does make more sense to just be to 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 have the the musculature to where you can if you want you can have all the strings ringing at the same time you can pick six notes at once you know what i mean with five fingers like ha that that's that's really interesting to me you know and and the way the way you do it is like you use one of the fretting hand fingers to 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 pluck an open string you know and like that that just seems like a that's more impressive to me than, um, uh, than like sweet picking or something like that. Like that's, that's some like next level. That's really deep shit, especially if you can, if you can get it in there without anybody even noticing, <laughs> like if it sounds musical.
1: So a lot of, there's a lot of moments on Mutable Set, your latest record, Blake, where you hear some of these finger picked flourishes kind of come in. And when you, when you sit down to, to write a song, is it is most times you're sitting there with an acoustic guitar and you're trying to figure out a pattern that might work with a melody in your head.
0: Um, there are stages of songwriting where it's that, uh, and there are stages of it. I think probably for every song at this point now that's like months of just driving around in the car and thinking about it and like, or, or being wherever you feel, you know, um, least inhibited by by you know like you know most creative but for me it's in the it's driving and uh and part of that might be that i don't have a guitar in front of me i i I think that like when i have an instrument uh and i'm like in that frame of mind that you describe where you're you're sitting there and you're trying to get some real work done and make some real progress on the song I, those are oftentimes the dead ends and the, 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 the bigger, uh, more the legwork is done when I'm not around the instrument that the song is, it, it was written on. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, if that makes sense.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you Blake for, for sticking it out with us for this, uh, this week of episodes. It's been quite an enlightening time for me to, learn about your world and everything you do. And I'm, I'm sure I speak for Joe that you are, there's an open invitation anytime you want to come back.
0: Thank you guys very much. And I'm happy happy to hear that you guys are doing this and, uh, and uh, thanks for,
2: for uh, letting me mouth off. Blake, you were awesome. That was so good.
1: Thanks again, everybody for, for tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye.